zone week 18 regular season in the books dusty makes me a little sad yeah makes me sad too but we got here crazy season probably the crazy season i've ever been a part of <laughs> mike tomlin's record still intact baby oh, shut up i don't want to talk about the steelers because they're not in the playoffs and the jets saw to that yeah i know the Jets, the Jets just had to beat Skyler Thompson to help the Steelers get in the playoffs, and they couldn't do it, which is why their offensive coordinator got fired. Before we talk about him, he didn't get fired. They mutually parted ways. We'll talk about it. Uh, let's talk about some of the bigger name firings, Dusty. First and foremost, we've been saying this since before week one. We even stopped talking about it because we talked about it so much at the beginning of the year. Cliff Kingsbury fired and uh, their GM, Steve Keim, uh, stepping down, quote unquote, air quotes. About that time, huh? Yeah, you know, Steve Steve Keim's actually been there for longer than I thought. I think it's he was there for uh, 20 years almost, which is a long time. I didn't think it was that 20 long. 20 years? Yeah, I think he's been there since like 03. Like Bruce Arians era? You might have to check me on that, but I'm pretty sure he's been there for a while. I'm checking it. Um, Keep going. But the, uh, <clears throat> I mean, the writing was on the wall for Cliff. I think the early success that he had um, was great for the franchise, a franchise that's been pretty bad since his existence. I don't think they went to a championship game since the 40s. Um, six, they never had a coaching tenure for longer than six years. Cardinals went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I know, but they never haven't won one. Oh, they haven't won one. Yeah. So, you know, the early success got them all excited. You know, the drafting Kyler Murray after the miss on Josh Rosen. Um, they brought in Cliff's air raid offense, which is a little premature, in my opinion, when they did it. And they gave him the bag, big contract with him and Kime. And after, I'd say about week eight last year, where they got off that really hot start, people started talking about Super Bowls for this team. <laughs> And they just haven't changed much since they had success, as we talked about many times on the show about being stale. And essentially the offense was just expired, not moving the ball much to the point where this year, I know Kyler Murray got hurt, but even before he got hurt, it was almost like he was, they were trying to create a pocket passing um, scheme with this team in the air raid. And it just looked like, Yards were just tougher and tougher to get, and especially getting in the end zone was tougher and tougher. And it just no pre snap motion, play action was hard. Um, it just looked like it was really hard. This team looked stuck in the mud many a times. And I just think the game, the NFL game, is just too much for Cliff Kingsbury. I don't see him landing another head coaching job anytime soon. Maybe he gets a coordinator sniff. I know he's got ties to Belichick, but um just didn't look good and we kind of saw this coming so it's uh it's an interesting um it's going to be interesting moving forward for this team with you know Kyla Murray and all the baggage that he brought with the offseason contract and the 
what they had in what terms they had in the contract with the playbook stuff and that kind of just you know that, that being just, released i feel like since that was released whether it was leaked by the team or whomever uh it's all been downhill from there steve kime's been there 10 years since 2013 that is longer than i would have guessed not 20 years, 20 years. But, right. but uh you know you say some teams might give cliff the old sniff I've seen some like especially fans on Twitter, even of the Jets or even for other teams saying, oh, bring him on an offensive coordinator. Why? It was his offense in Arizona yeah. and it and it didn't work. I think he should be going back to college. You know, there's rumblings that they are going after Sean Payton. I think they'd be really interested. I saw a video leak from uh, years ago where Sean Payton is just gushing over Kyler Murray and his ability. So maybe Payton's interested in the gig, especially they're, if he gets kind of control of who the GM is going to be. They're going to, so, they're going to have know, some interesting possibilities for the Cardinals, but they have a lot of work to do. Just to, just to get this straight, Sean Payton is still under the rights to the Saints. So and anyone to get him, they'd have to trade what seems like a first round pick. So I don't think the Cardinals will be, they shouldn't, they need that position for that. And, you know, another thing about Kingsbury, this team has a lot of talent on their roster. You know, they had, uh, especially with, I'm a Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray's is a good quarterback. I I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not ready to send him off just yet. I know he's going to be hurt next year. So this is going to be a tough um, attraction for the Cardinals to bring somebody in here. But it is nice to start over with a new GM and a new head coach. And like I said before, uh, I wouldn't be so quick to give clicks, clicks, Cliff Kingsbury a sniff. Clicks, clicks yeah, whatever, whatever he's clicking, it's not working. But I wouldn't not be so buttons. quick to give him an interview because of how bad this offense looked. Um, nothing really changed. It was just this, more of the same. He just, like I said, he just looked outdated and is in over his head. I think going back to the college game might be his best option. Yeah, he could also sit on his couch and make like $30 million. So that yeah, may not true. be such a bad idea either. Uh, the Texans, Lovey Smith was fired. He's the second coach to go one and done with the team. But man, he gave them one final F you on that week 18. I feel like he knew he was going to be fired and he's just like, I'm winning this game. Screw these guys. And it might have screwed them out of getting the top quarterback if the Bears decide to take a quarterback or trade back with another team to, that wants to jump the Texans. Yeah, this franchise is making it really hard for a coach to want to come here, even though I'd say this is probably the best landing spot for a coach like Sean Payton, considering the Houston Texans have multiple picks in the first round. Um, if they really want Payton, I think they would be the team to land him. But they don't um, have that number one pick. Yeah, but I mean, the odds of them getting out of that pick, well, it, it's possible the Bears would have to, you know, trade out, which would is definitely likely that to happen, considering they have fields at the quarterback position. But uh, I just feel like to land a quarterback you want at the two, second overall pick, building a roster, this is probably the best spot. Um, it's just from their track record. I mean, they just fired two head coaches in two years. And I feel like both of these hires were in made hires to get to where they are now. I feel like they were planning to get this pick a while ago. I feel like yeah, they they're catching were. a lot of heat for that, by the way. And I don't really want to get into that conversation of why, but it's, you know, they, they have some scrutiny they're going to face. I don't think it's that attractive a job opening. I don't think they have much talent. So 
I just think there's better openings around the league, like the Panthers, uh, who we'll talk about. Even the Broncos, you know, you get to try to fix Russ Wilson. And if it fails, you could say, look, he failed with two coaches and you still have a good defense. I might even, uh, I don't know if I'd want to be the Cardinals coach instead, but I, I don't like the Texans opening. I don't think it's that attractive. Nick Cesario is still there, kind yeah. of. And he even said it. He even said in his interview, he was kind of hinting. He's like, well, I don't know if the new coach is going to want to keep me. Like, what? Yeah. So it, it's a dysfunctional organization. It's not very good. Also, Texans ownership. If you are going to fire Lovey Smith, and he probably knows this, and he's going out to try to win week 18, maybe fire him before week 18. Yeah. Really kind of pop that cell in your pop, whatever you want to say about the sailboat or the balloon, just pop it and really tank. And man, did they screw up? It was almost like uh, he was trying to do Chicago a favor. Cause he, yeah, maybe he was that back in his Chicago days. He was like he was like uh Shawn Michaels was the special guest referee Ooh, with the rock and triple H. I remember that when yep. he took out the rock, that was a good reference right there, man. R.I.P. to WWE is with that sale. I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, R.I.P. to the job tenure of Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods. They have a lot of talent. He didn't live up to expectations. Here's some interesting names that they're interviewing. Jim Schwartz, Brian Flores, two really, I think, very good names that the Browns could bring on. Yeah, I think Flores is definitely going to land the defensive coordinator job this year. He's even going to get some sniffs at head coaching job after the job he did with Miami. Um, I don't think he's getting any head coach interviews. Uh, really? I think he'll get that, some interviews. That lawsuit, man. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But I, I think he'll get interviews at least. Um, I've always been a Jim Schwartz guy. I always liked him. Yeah, you do. Um, but I feel like yeah, the Browns defense isn't the only issues they have over there. Um, I feel like a lot of their play calling this year was suspect on offense. And there were a couple of games that they could have won uh, that they kind of blew with their play calling struggling uh, in a couple of games. I remember one was against the Falcons, obviously against the Jets was the other one, but there's talent on that defense. And I feel like they definitely underachieved. I know Deshaun Watson made it tough him not playing for the first 10 games or 11 games or whatever it was. I think he made it tough on them when he was playing. Yeah, well, he's definitely rust was expected. Um, but you see the news with uh, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. What's that? Um, Miles uh, Jadavian Clowney said that uh, there's probably about less than five percent chance that he returns. So they told him to go home. That's why I didn't play the last week. Oh, I didn't know that. And then Miles Garrett actually, I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but he quoted Mike Tomlin. What's uh, that mean? He knows where to get the good info. Shut up, Dustin. That doesn't mean anything. He wants out of there, too. I think it would be interesting to pair up Jim Schwartz and Miles Garrett. I think that might change his mood when he's getting 20 sacks. Let's move on. Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing fired, as well as uh, numerous other members of the offensive staff. They need a new GM, too, who they fired towards the end. So, you know, give him a Mike Vrabel the keys, I guess. You know, he obviously wasn't happy with the way the general manager was treating A.J. Brown and, and uh, some of his other antics. And now they need a new GM. They definitely need a new offensive coordinator. Todd Downing tried to step up for the role when it was vacated. And, you know, Derek Henry's turning 29. Uh, this team needs an offensive identity with the GM gone. They might be moving on from Ryan Tannehill. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, it's a rebuild and it'll be interesting to see how, who they bring in there. But 
I think it's going to be hard to get a big name when no one even knows what they have a quarterback. Yeah. So I thought, I thought a lot about this situation from when they fired the GM. Um, I feel like the GM and obviously Mike Rabel were not on the same page of some of the things that they've done here. And I feel like benching Malik Willis was something that kind of showed where Mike Vrabel's head is at with his team, because I feel like maybe he might've not wanted Malik Willis as his quarterback of the future. Uh, or maybe he did, didn't wasn't too excited about it. I feel like, um, like you said with Derrick Henry, this team is moving in a direction where they need change on the offense. I feel like their offense has become uh, something that's become a problem as as where they want to be, like a Super Bowl contender. Um, and I feel like Vrabel, with the him winning Coach of the Year, the number one seed last year. And I, I just feel like he's the man in charge moving forward. And I think he wants to change the offensive outlook of this team. And to do that, you're going to need to start over and bring in a whole new scheme on offense, especially with, like you said, Derrick Henry's got a lot of tread on his tires. So I don't see them handing him the ball as much as they have been the last four or five years now. So clearly a change of direction for this franchise as a whole. And it's very interesting to see who they bring in here to run the offense because Vrabel's a defensive guy. But there's one thing we know that the players that play on the Titans will give their everything for him. And I think that's why he's still there with no question of keeping his job. Yeah, I think he, I think he's a good coach. I think he'll be fine. I just think on offense, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle bus. I mean. They could really use a weapon like an AJ Brown type. I joke, but you know, I think they're probably going to go out and pay a receiver or maybe even trade for a receiver. I mean, bring Hopkins there, do something. You need to bring a weapon there and you need to get a new, I don't know if they're going to let Malik Willis just step into that starting role next year. He just, he'll definitely give him the opportunity to during camp. I think. Yeah. But they need to bring maybe bring in a veteran like a Ryan Tannehill. Who knows? Maybe they bring him back. Miles Garrett said he wants volunteers, not hostages. Quote the great Mike Tomlin. Oh, my God. Just shut up about the Steelers and Tomlin already. Let's run through the rest of these. Mike LaFleur. There was a, a mutual parting of the ways. Yeah, right. What the Jets are saying right now is that once there were rumblings that, you know, were they going to keep Mike LaFleur or not, that they were getting calls on Mike LaFleur. Let's see how true that turns out and if he gets another offensive coordinator position. But in any event, he's not the Jets offensive coordinator anymore. They just had no touchdowns in the last three games. He failed Zach Wilson, whether that's his fault or not, right? It's it's all about the bottom line, and maybe that's not his fault. Bottom I'll say this line. about Mike LaFleur. Listen, at the end of the day, it's a bottom line business, and he didn't produce offense. What I will say is when I watched their games, like with no <laughs> offensive line and no good quarterback play, I fight. actually liked it. I liked his scheme. There was some creative route concepts. His receivers were often running open. I saw that a lot whenever I rewatched the Jets game. So I would like to see him get another shot. Just I think it was just too soon and too young in his career on such a young team like the Jets. I disagree with this firing in many ways. And, you know, it makes me think of basically what happened this past week with the with the uh, Titans and the Jaguars because when you have a quarterback like Joshua Dobbs in your case as a Jets fan Zach Wilson how can you put your how can you put your team in position to score points when your quarterback is not capable of making a play what i mean by that is how can you expect him to call an offense 
that would warrant your quarterback making plays when he's prone to mistakes, uh, not making the right reads, taking bad sacks, whatever it may be, making a hundred percent, hundred percent true. So how how could a coordinator? Because if that's the case, especially for the Jets situation, the reason why I brought up the Titans is because it's kind of similar. So if you're trying to make the playoffs, have a winning record, you have to call an offense that's that your your quarterback's capable of doing. And at that point, Zach Wilson wasn't really capable of much. And so they couldn't what, run the ball. They were terrible at running the ball but after when Mike Elijah White was talking. in there. They had an offense that was moving. So I feel like the firing was not really fair to him. Whether you want to call him the reason why Zach Wilson struggled or whatever that may be, I just feel like it's tough. It's tough for a coordinator to succeed when he's trying to make the playoffs, trying to put a team out there that's winning when your quarterback is kind of skewing your offensive call play calling because he can't, he's not capable of making the big throw. So you're scaling down your offensive attack where you're basically all your throws at the line of scrimmage, which Zach Wilson couldn't even do that. And the reason why I bring up the Titans, because the, they did do that at the end of the game when Dobbs and he was fumbling, he threw an interception and that's why the Jaguars won. It's And I was, that's what I was thinking about when it was happening. I'm like, he's not going to throw the ball. And he did. They threw a pick and then he fumbled on the next drive and the game was over. So they put their quarterback in that position that Michael Floyd did not want to put Zach Wilson in. And they actually won games. I know they struggled down the stretch, but they were Zach Wilson did win five games. So the fact that he won five games with this team and that quarterback, I'm talking about LaFleur, thought it was impressive. I don't think the firing was fair. So just yeah, more that stuff. I agree with everything you said, except Zach winning five games. The defense won five games. So Zach didn't do much in those games. But he didn't put, he didn't call the plays to put he Zach. He protected Wilson. Zach and exactly. made sure they, they got out with the win. And I hear what you're saying. I, I'm not happy to see him go. I'm not that upset either. I would have liked to see what they said they were going to do is bring in a senior offensive consultant, uh, an older guy with experience like Gary Kubiak to help him in this process while also giving him that extra year to see if his scheme could work. Ultimately, I hope not, but this may have just been owner Woody Johnson coming in saying someone's got to take the fall here because this is unacceptable. And it wasn't going to be Salah and it wasn't going to be Joe Douglas. So it ended up being Michael Floor. I'd like to see him get another shot. We'll see. I'm going to run through the rest of these real quick. Uh, Washington let go offensive coordinator Scott Turner. He hasn't really had much to work with either, but that is what <clears> it is. The Panthers are on the head couch, head coaching prowl. Wilkes is getting an interview. I'd love to see him get the full-time gig, man. I, I thought he did a great job, and he didn't exactly get a fair shot with the Cardinals either So with, when they drafted Josh Rosen. So, you know, I'd like to see that happen, but we'll see there. The Rams, McVay is just not blocking any of his coordinators or assistants from making lateral moves because while he decides whether he wants to stay, I think that probably tells you what is what he's leaning oh, towards. Cop out loser. So offensive coordinator Liam Cohn left for University of Kentucky. Defensive coordinator Raheem Morris getting some head coaching interviews. I suspect he will probably land a defensive coordinator job somewhere else and not stay there. The Colts are interviewing everyone, including Jeff Saturday, for some freaking reason. And for the Falcons, uh, Dean Peace, longtime defensive coordinator league, retired. The Falcons don't have a lot of talent on defense. I actually think Dean Peace is a pretty good coordinator, but he didn't have much to work with there. And he's old. So out with the old, in with the new. Uh, That'll be interesting to see who they bring in to try to turn that defense around. That was a wrestling reference? Which one? Shawn Michaels, man. Jeez. But I didn't hear what you said. Out with the old, in with the new. Oh, I did say that. Damn. Mm. 
Ooh, I'm losing my my touch. Give me a sweet chin music for freaking sake. Let's get through. Let, let's let's get through the, uh, a few important games that happened this week, and let's get into these playoff matchups. The first one I want to mention: Bills over the Patriots. You know, the Bills were playing. Uh, they decided to play the game, and Patriots they had to win again that one seed. They kept it close for a little, but then it obviously got out of hand. And I think the Patriots are who we thought they were, and that's not a playoff team. Yeah, definitely not a playoff team on offense. Um, I, I We pretty much knew. I mean, I didn't expect them to win this game. I expected them to keep it close, but the two kick return touchdowns by Naeem Hines was kind of like. That was awesome. Right over the top. Yeah, what a great story. Um, you would actually think it's fixed. It was so nice to see, but. Yeah, the, the the Patriots weren't going to do much in the playoffs except maybe get a, a lucky win in the first round with their defense. Um, they got like we just talked about all these coaches. You know, I think Patricia will not return. I'd be I'd be shocked if he stayed. I mean, there. They, he can't bring Patricia back as offensive coordinator. That would be no, horrendous. Not after this season. Bring in Bill O'Brien. Uh, I'll sign up for that. Or Cliff. <laughs> not Cliff. Let's move on to the game everyone was talking about to finish off the season. The Lions send the Packers home. Uh, great contested game. But, you know, I mean, the Lions looked like the better team throughout. And, you know, they were motivated. They just were eliminated from the playoffs due to Seattle winning their game earlier in the day. And, you know, now all the talk is about Aaron Rodgers and what he's going to do and not giving Jameson his jersey and all of I mean, this junk. So the camera is right back where everyone wants it to be, including Aaron Rodgers, which is on him. Yeah, I'm not going to buy too much into the Jamison Williams thing. I mean, he probably doesn't even know who that is, so why would he give him a jersey? I don't think I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers give anybody a jersey. Um, It could be his last game as a Packer. That could be it. Uh, Whatever it is. Um, This team's fault. uh, I mean, if, if you're another organization and Aaron Rodgers still wants to play, I would seriously consider not approaching that because of the situation he put this team in. Oh my um, God. I'd give up everything for him to come to the Jets yeah, right but now. Look what he did to this team. This team is clearly a better team that we saw all year and it all, it, it's, I blame him for everything. I feel like he put this team in a terrible position earlier in the off season by not reporting to camp, basically had no training camp with this team. You know, all the receivers, he talks about how bad, you know, the team is, the situation, the play calling. But realistically, you're a quarterback. You're supposed to be the leader of the team. You're supposed to prepare this team for the season. They didn't hit their stride till week eight because they were so behind. They were off. We could see it on the field, how off they were. Um, I, I put that all on him. I really do. And they were put some on him, but you know, I, I just don't think they gave him much to work with. You know, yeah, they didn't reinforce the offensive line with injuries. They let Devontae Adams that. go. They, with you his know, pedigree and, and all his, all the, you know, the buzz that he has for being one of the greats, greatest of all time, whatever you want to call him. Your it's your job to figure that out, not put a team out there. That's four and eight to be realistic. I mean, yeah. You division. know, listen, it's, Rodgers should shoulder some of that blame, but he's still a really good quarterback. So there's other reasons that they are there. One of them, I thought, you know, they have a lot of talent on defense and I didn't think they played up to snuff this year. And they decided they're uh, keeping uh, the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, I believe. So they said they're keeping him. I was kind of surprised about that. I thought that would have been a pretty attractive opening had they let him go, but they've decided not to. 
and the Lions send home the Packers or the Packers fans unhappy. Pretty uh, iconic, remember, rememberable game. I'm sure we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers a lot, um, but I just want to give credit to the Lions. A great season. They look like they're headed in the right direction. Um, I feel this team is going to give a battle next year for the division. Um, I hope Jared Goff stays there. I hope they keep him around. I hope James, uh, Jamal Williams stays there because those are the guys that kind of like started this uh, foundation of where they are with Campbell and, and Aaron Glenn. And uh, they're definitely going to be a team that people are going to pick next year as a playoff team for sure. They, they We just said it earlier in the year. They're just not there yet. There were a couple of games that they left out there. They didn't know how to finish. They didn't start finishing games till late in the year. And uh, if they just had that pedigree of finishing games, they wouldn't have been in the situation they were at the last week of the season. You know, I'll, I'll go one further. I think with good draft picks, I think with money to spend, you improve that defense. They've learned how to win in the second half of this year. I don't see why with improvements on defense, this team can't get 12, 13 wins next year. I mean, I really think that's how good they look the second half of the year. I would have much rather see them in the playoffs than the Seahawks, honestly. You know, even though I'm a fan of Geno Smith and what he did this year. So they just missed out. The arrow is pointing straight up. Just keep the band together and just keep improving that defense because the defense is really where it's needed the most. Speaking of defense, defense wins championships. That's my worst segue into the playoffs. Let's start talking about it. Seahawks at 49ers. Do you want to talk about defense? Best defense in the league. Uh, Seattle offense is going to be a tough matchup for them to overcome the 49ers defense. Probably the toughest matchup for the Seattle Seahawks to draw. Um, They played them earlier in the year twice. Second uh, meeting was not pretty. Seattle couldn't get anything going until the game was over at the end. They had a garbage touchdown. Kenneth Walker is going to be tough for him to run on this team. San Francisco is the best team in the playoffs, in my opinion, uh, as a whole. The only issue that we keep talking about is their quarterback, which I don't really think is an issue because I think he can manage the game. BCB. I, I think that, I think this defense is just too much for any team to put up like 24 points on. And I think the San Francisco 49ers are capable of putting up 24 or more. Um, I just don't think Seattle has a chance in this game. I'd love to see Geno Smith have a good game, but it's just going to be tough. Defense is fully healthy with San Francisco. Um, The way their offense has been playing this year, I feel like their offense is better than it's been the last couple of years with Purdy, the way he extends plays in the pocket. Something Garoppolo couldn't do. He's got much better rapport with George Kittle. Debo Samuel is back. McCaffrey's there. This team is just dangerous across the board, and Seattle doesn't stand much of a chance. And San Francisco's home. So carrying that two seed into the playoffs, if the Eagles get bounced, I can't see a team stopping the Niners. Well, just just slow your roll. Right. Pump, pump the brakes. We're, We're talk talking about, about wild card weekend. Chill Can't out, dude. But I agree with what you said about this matchup. You know, I love divisional games in the playoffs because I think they tend to be close. And maybe it can be. Listen, the Fortnite's defense the last few weeks weren't quite what they were most of the season before that. But that being said, it's still the best defense in town. It's it's at home. Like you said, they lost both matchups. They put up 16 points and 13 points. I think the 49ers will easily put up more points than that on offense. Um, 
49ers have the number two rushing defense. So like you said, that's going to be hard for Ken Walker. I think that if I'm the Seahawks, and this is so against the grain for Pete Carroll, I think you got to find a way to isolate Lockett or Metcalf, and you got to go after these corners when you get the one-on-one. Get them away from the safeties, get away from the scheme. Each time. And, and, and we'll see. Uh, let Gino cook, man. That's what I'm talking about. But Nick Bosa's there. He's Nick wreaking Bosa's havoc. And by the way, Seattle defense, third most rushing yards in the league, bottom five in yards per carry. Match that up with the Niners and Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey. The spread is almost double digits for a reason, even in a divisional game. And I find it very hard to believe Seattle is going to keep this one close. What's the final score? I was going to save that for the end when we do the spreads, but uh, give me a minute to think about that. We'll do it at the end. We'll do let's Let's do spreads and score predictions at the end. By the way, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, don't count out Pete Carroll. He's great experienced coach, but I love Mike Shanahan. I think that's, you know, I love looking at the head coach matchups in the playoffs. And I think these are two really excellent head coaches. So I think you have to go back to the talent on the field and, and the 49ers run away with it. The next game on Saturday Chargers at Jaguars. This game to me is a really fun game. It's really interesting to see who is going to advance. It could go either way, Dusty. What do you got? I feel like this is a matchup that we're going to see for years to come with these two quarterbacks. Uh, it's I, the best matchup of quarterback hair I've ever seen in a playoff. For sure. And, uh, I'm glad Justin Herbert decided to grow his hair back out when he shaved it and looked like a 10-year-old. So thank God we got that <laughs> hair back. Um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I kept going back and forth with this one. and Same. It seems to me that um, – I've never been a big fan of the Chargers. You know that firsthand. And I'm a big fan of the Jaguars. Uh, I really like where their franchise is going, especially with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. Um, I feel like the Jaguars, when they get their best offense on the field, when Trevor Lawrence looks his best, that's when they have the run game moving. They put up more points than they do. They put up their most points when Travis Etienne and at one point, James Robinson was involved. They were rushing for, you know, over 150 yards on the ground. They were able to beat teams like the Cowboys and um, a couple other teams that were pretty good, including the Chargers. They they blew them out. And the problem is the Chargers' de- run defense is pretty bad. So I feel like the Jaguars, if they can get that run game going, which is very possible against the Chargers' defense – Trevor Lawrence starts clicking. I'm going with the Jaguars in this one. I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to pull this one out. I know they're home. They just let teams linger too much. And I think this is going to be a shootout in some ways. The only thing that makes me a little nervous is uh, Trevor Lawrence just prone to make that big mistake. But I just feel like if they could keep Herbert off the field by running the ball effectively and Trevor Lawrence starts hitting his spots, I feel like this will be a high-scoring game. And I think the Jaguars will win. We say we say too much similar stuff. I went back and forth as well. And one of the keys I had for the Jaguars was stay committed to ETN. Keep feeding him. I mean, you saw in fantasy championship weekend, he breaks off that huge run. Thank you, ETN. But, you know, I, I sometimes they get away from him a bit and I think they got to keep feeding him. When I was first looking through this game and I'm looking at the offenses and the defenses, what I see is. Jaguars are bottom five and pass yards allowed. And you're going against truly an elite quarterback in Justin Herbert, who has, you know, weapons at all phases. He loves passing the Eckler. No one passes through their running backs 
more than the LA Chargers. You know, Keenan Allen seems like he's really rounded into form and he is back to his normal self. He's eating up the middle. And then I was thinking you have Mike Williams deep, but now as I'm going more into it, you know, Mike Williams is looking doubtful. And anytime one of these, by the way, he's doubtful because he played a meaningless week 18 game. Another dumb move by their coach. I'm getting to that. And, you know, first of all, anytime one of the two big wide receivers on the chargers between Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, anytime one of them missed the game, the offense kind of just seemed a little out of sync. Also in week 18, Joey Bosa re-aggravated his groin injury. I haven't seen anything about his practice reports, but something to keep an eye on. I think they really need him to pressure Lawrence into making those mistakes. They've been terrible at pressuring the quarterbacks since he's been out. So, um, you know, I think that's big. A matchup to watch, Derwin James guarding the middle against Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Uh, I love watching Derwin James play, so I'd like to see that. But the more I looked into this game and I started to think, First Chargers, then I kind of went to the Jaguars, and then I looked at the head coaches, and I see Doug Peterson, who's won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback, uh, and then I see Brandon Staley, who just doesn't seem to always make smart decisions, even though I was a big fan of his before he got the coaching job. It, that's starting to wear off on me, and I just think when you look at where the Chargers are, who the Jags have a quarterback, just like the Chargers have an elite quarterback, Trevor Lawrence is quickly becoming that elite quarterback. I think they have the better coach, the more experienced coach. And I like the Jaguars in this one too. Yeah. I, I, I was going to mention the Brandon Staley factor. I could see this game going in the Jaguars favor because Brandon Staley makes a bonehead call, like going for it when you probably just put the defense back out there and punt the football. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Herbert, but I, if Mike Williams misses this game, it just sways more in favor for the Jaguars for me. And Chargers is just not capable of blowing anybody out. That's good. And I just feel like the Jaguars are home. That stadium is going to be rocking with the fans back in the playoffs. And I just think it's just going to be too much. And it's time for Trevor Lawrence to take the big step forward. And I think this is where he does it. Yeah, my brain says Chargers, but my, my gut says Jaguars. Dolphins at Bills, divisional matchup. Man, this would have been a lot of fun if Tua was available. But he's not. We have rookie... Skylar Thompson going out there to play quarterback. Teron Armstead's looking doubtful at left tackle. Their line is a mess. Do they do they have any shot against the Bills? I would think this would be the biggest upset in playoff history if the Dolphins could pull this one out. Um, I don't think they have a chance. They're playing against a Bills team who is fired up right now, playing for a lot. They're home and... Uh, yeah, the, the the big thing for me was obviously the rookie quarterback, but Taron Armstead missing the game is pretty significant for a team that's going in this matchup with a quarterback that really has struggled to move the ball when he's had time. Um, I know Tyreek Hill and Waddle are on the field, but you'd have to think if they do get anything on offense, how much would it really be um, if they get like a lucky touchdown or a bomb to one of those receivers, which is it's too very bad. Possible. I feel like those two could attack the defensive backs of the bills. If, if they had, you know, the quick release, the accuracy of Tua, but you know, they have a rookie quarterback that tends to run more than he throws. Yeah. This game is not going to be close. I think the bills, uh, hopefully they don't just, they don't try to get too cute on offense and just kind of just play their game. Yeah. They don't need to hand the ball off. 
to Singletary and James Cook, try to get out with a win as quickly as possible. You got to feel for McDaniel, though. You know, he really did a good job this year. Just sucks what happened with Tua because I feel like this would be a much different matchup. And uh, I had the Dolphins actually as a really dark horse Super Bowl team. I put a bet on them earlier in the year. I really thought they had a shot with the the explosiveness they had on offense. And uh, obviously that went out the window. So hopefully Tua could get back on the field next year, see what happens. But the Bills are just going to steamroll them easily. Yeah. My last point on that, just because it's a fun stat I looked up, you know, for any chance the Dolphins defense has to step up in a big way. This season, they were seventh worst in stopping the chains from moving in the entire NFL. So you add that into Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen running the ball, who he's probably the best quarterback at picking up first downs that way. It's I just think the time of possession is going to be so out of whack. And this spread's game's got to be get, spread's got to be double digits, right? I think it's the biggest it is. And I think it's the biggest spread I've seen in a playoff yeah. game history, even yeah. uh, more than last year when the Texans or a couple of years ago with the Texans. Remember Texans. two years ago? Texans there was, maybe not the Texans. Texas haven't been near the playoffs, but someone started a really bad quarterback in the playoffs recently. And I don't even remember what team or who it was. Wolford? That was one of them, but there was another one. Wolford was one of them. There was another one too. I'm going to look it up. When Carr broke his leg. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who started for the Raiders? I think it was Peterman. Oh, that'd be pretty terrible. I don't remember actually. All right. Moving on. Giants at Vikings. We're on the Sunday slate. This is another one that I think is a really, really interesting game. Giants, you know, we talked about it last week. They beat up on bad teams when they've gone up against teams with winning winning records. They have not done very well. And now they travel to a Vikings team that has one of the best records in the NFL. However, we all know that Vikings are a little bit fraudsters when it comes to that record. They are not as good as that record. They're a winning team, but they are not as good as their record indicates. I see a really close game here. I see a close game, too, and I don't really like to especially for teams that are not in the same division that play each other twice a year. I don't like to buy too much into the the recent uh, matchup that they had in week 16. But there's just a lot of things that happened in that game that I think is going to be more of the same. Because if you remember that game, there were a few turnovers by the Giants in that game that cost them the win. Uh, it was a close game. The Giants put up 24 points in that game, which is something that they didn't do often this year. They only did it, I think, three other two other times or maybe three other times if you count the Colts game at the end, which was kind of a joke. Um, but there was something else interesting in that game. Uh, Daniel Jones threw 42 pass attempts, which is uh fourth career high fourth time. He's done that in his career. And I feel like they were trying to exploit a very, very vulnerable Vikings pass defense, which we've talked about on this podcast. I think we're going to see more of that. Um, also Saquon Barkley was heavily involved in the, in the reception game. He had his season high in that game as well. The receivers were able to get open at will. And I think we're going to see that in this matchup. Um, I don't think the Giants will be able to stop Justin Jefferson. Um, The only thing that I'm nervous about in this game is Daniel Jones making a turnover. Um, It's something that he's done. Brian Dable's done an excellent job taking care of the football this year with him. And he started to open up towards the end of the year. But I think they're really just going to lay it on the line in this game. They're going to go with an aerial attack against the Vikings defense, which is a smart move. That's their best chance of winning because the Vikings will put up points. Um, What I am nervous about 
is Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter rushing the passer because when they played this game the first time when they had the matchup week 16, the Vikings generated more pass rushes than they did all year in that game. Uh, I think it was 30 pass rushes across the board. Evan Neal, Evan Neal struggled in that game. And I like Evan Neal. I'm a big fan of him and, and uh, the, the offensive line, the way they played somewhat this year. But I felt like his uh, like his PFF grading was a little fraud, in my opinion, because of the Giants offense, the way they get rid of the ball really quick. <laughs> so I feel like that's why he struggled. You know, there was a lot more dropbacks in that game. So I'm going to go with my gut in this one. And I just think that the Vikings are fraud. And I feel like the Giants are a better team. And with Link Martindale on defense, they should get a Dory Jackson back. Xavier McKinney will be back. We'll try to mitigate some of the other weapons besides Jefferson because he will still eat. But I think the Giants will beat the Vikings, and I think it will be a close game again, but the Giants come out on top. Yeah, this this is a game I, I really believe is going to end up being a field goal game either way. The only thing that scares me is the Giants record against these winning teams. It's, you know, We know the Giants roster isn't quite there yet. We know they don't really have the players to stop a Justin Jefferson, which is really how the Vikings got maybe all their losses except one is when you shut down Justin Jefferson. But I do think that opening Daniel Jones up this game is the right call, like you said, to attack the Vikings' vulnerable pass defense. So what the what a perfect game for them to do it as they've been starting to do it towards the end of the year. I like Daniel Jones to have a very good game. Let me see some screen passes early to Saquon to calm down that pass rush. And, you know, I hate to be the cliche guy here, but you're getting primetime Kirk. And I don't know, man, everyone's thinking that like this is a game that they should win in prime time. And I feel like these are the games that he does not play well. But I do think Justin Jefferson is going to eat. I think the Giants defense and, their, and Dexter Lawrence and their defensive line. I think they might have a chance to get after him here if uh, if they can find a way to do so. I also like from a head coaching perspective, two pretty young coaches here. Dables, not only does he have film on the Vikings, but he has a game against them. And I trust Dables' offensive scheme to figure out what they could could not have done last time, even though they put up a good amount of points. I kind of like him to try to figure this out and keep this game really close. Ultimately, it's in Minnesota. The crowd will be rocking. I think that's going to be a big element here. And if the Vikings limit their mistakes and they just play hard-nosed football, I do think they are the better team. So I've gone back and forth here. I think I have the Giants winning, but I might change my mind before the end of the show. I'll tell you where we're not going to change our mind. Ravens at Bengals. Uh, Somehow, Skylar Thompson is not the worst quarterback to play on Wild Card Weekend. Not only is Lamar Jackson not playing, but they're also saying Tyler Huntley has not did not practice today. He's got some kind of issue with his elbow. So who's playing quarterback for the Ravens against this Bengals defense? Looks like it's going to be, I think Huntley will wind up playing. Uh, it's right now it's Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown, that's his name. I if that's remember the case, it. then this is a matchup that's possibly worse than the Dolphins matchup. Um, even if Huntley's playing, I don't think they have much of a chance. They didn't score points with Huntley either. Yeah, if I mean, you know, it was, I know it's a division game, um, and the NFC, the AFC North, always has tough games and tough matchups, no matter who's playing. So I will, I will. Th- 
I will take that into consideration with this matchup, but I just feel like the Bengals as a whole is just uh, too, they're just too explosive on offense. Their defense is just way too rounded and uh, the Ravens should not be able to move the ball much, especially with DJ reader and um, uh, Trey Hendrickson and Hubbard on that defensive line. I think it's going to be really tough for the Ravens to, operate the way they usually do, which is on the ground. Um, I don't know if J.K. Dobbins is going to play, even though I don't think it matters much with the running backs they have. They all kind of play the same style. Um, I just Slow. don't – yeah, just ground and pound type of thing, but it's not the team you want to do that against. Uh, I just, yeah, I DJ Reader's going to eat up that run game for sure. I don't think Huntley's obviously a threat through the air. He has not been all year. Uh, the Bengals defense has been playing great, solid all year. And then you have the Bengals offense. Like you said, they are explosive. You know, I like the Ravens defense. I don't love them. I love Roquan Smith. My man got paid, by the way. Highest yeah. off-ball linebacker contract in NFL history. Well-deserved. Bears, you're idiots. I don't care that you got a, whatever you got for him. But in any event, I digress. I just think Joe Burrow is too cool and too sweet to uh, lose this matchup against what's really been an inferior Ravens team all year long. I don't, it's a division game. So you never know, but I do just, I just can't see it magically changing with Huntley. I feel like Joe Burrow can even make a few of those mistakes. He tends to make every once in a while and they're still going to have enough to win this game. And I think pretty easily. Yeah. It reminds me, I hate to bring up the Steelers, but when they're not the Steelers, Dusty, it'll make sense because when the Steelers had that game in the beginning of the year with Mitch Trubisky, you know, they had five, I think it was six turnovers. The Bengals had six turnovers against the Steelers and they still were at the, they were in it at the end of the game in overtime. (laughs) Right. It's a good point. If you can't move the ball on offense, you keep this team around. Eventually the Bengals will score. So, I mean, that's kind of what I feel, how I feel about this game. Right. And then you got the Monday nighter, which I love that they do that. The Cowboys at the Buccaneers Cowboys, despite being the better team are the wild card team traveling to the NFC South division champions in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom freaking Brady in the playoffs. Bucks hit their stride week 18. You saw what they did to the Panthers. You said last week, the Cowboys defense has been slacking a little bit. This could go either direction. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what we're all thinking. Um, and I think that's mainly because Tom Brady is the quarterback for the Buccaneers. But in reality, I, I just feel like the Buccaneers are still just not a good football team. And even with the struggles that Doc Prescott's been having the last, you know, as the season, the regular season winded down with the interceptions every game, I just feel like, uh, the team as a, as a whole, the Cowboys are just a better football team. And I know a lot of team. I know a lot of the, the moniker is that they can't get past the first round and the Cowboys are going to choke because that's just the way people think and who better to do that than the, the Buccaneers with Brady. I just, the, the Buccaneers have a problem when Tom Brady's under pressure. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when pressured. He completes 44% of his passes, which is one of the worst in the league, four yards per target, uh, which is at the bottom also. And let's face it, with the Cowboys defense, their strength is rushing the passer. 
And the only way Tom Brady would be able to mitigate that pass rush would be to run the football. Unfortunately for the Buccaneers, they're the worst running team in the NFL right now. So averaging 76 yards a carry, which we've talked about many a times, they score 18 points a game, one of the worst in the league. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with the uh, Dallas Cowboys, even if the Cowboys do make a mistake, which they possibly could. I just uh, I feel like you're going to see a lot of Zeke Elliott in this game. I think they'll keep the game on the ground. Bucks defense has not looked great, especially in the secondary. And CD Lamb, we call I called him out a couple of weeks ago saying, when is he going to become elite? And he's kind of stepping up to that point where he pretty much is at this point. So I think you'll see a big game from him. I honestly don't think this is going to be as close as people think. I think the Cowboys are going to win this one pretty convincingly because I've been saying it all year. The Bucks are just not a good football team. Yeah, it's it's strange because, you know, the Bucks they have talent on their roster, both on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. But what you said is true, the way their offense has been all year and their biggest weakness being the offensive line, just being a terrible matchup with the Cowboys' biggest strength being their pass rush. You know, I'll give you the cliche stats. Tom Brady 7-0 versus Dallas in his career. I don't really care. The last, this is just a funny one. The last Cowboys road playoff win was 1992. I was six. So, you know, that's a long, long time, but it's got to end at some point. And I just, I think the matchup here is perfect for the Cowboys to kind of hit the ground running in the playoffs. And I mean that literally, yes, with Zeke, but I'd like to see Tony Pollard get back in there with some explosive plays. I do think CD Lamb has taken that leap into maybe not top tier elite top guy, but yeah. you know, he's like upper mid card level uh, if he was on the WWE roster. So he would definitely make crown jewel in Saudi Arabia. I'll tell you that. So we, we, dig- we digress. I-, I do think that this is the year the Cowboys don't be the choke artist that we've seen them be run the ball set up with play action, get Dax highly efficient, but down the field passing attack. We've seen the Bucks play mediocre offense against mediocre defenses. I see no reason why they're not going to have a subpar offensive day against an admittedly struggling, but top tier Dallas Cowboys defense. You feeling the Cowboys are entering at number 27 in this one? Yes, it's the best number to enter the Rumble. Dig that, baby. Good Royal Rumble reference right there. And the Bucks are not like HBK entering one or two. They're like entry number four, but no one cares about them. Let's get to the spreads and let's do some score predictions that you asked for earlier. I kind of like that. First one, Seattle at the 49ers. The Niners are minus 9.5. Give me your pick. Give me your score prediction. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Niners taking this one and I'm going to say they take it 24 to 13. Wow. I got a little aggressive on mine. I got the 49ers. I think it's at home. Stadium's going to be rocking and they're going to flex and they're going to flex hard all over the Seahawks. 31 to nine. 49ers. Yeah, I I got a major blowout. Seattle hasn't looked good for like a month now. I I would have really liked to see the Lions in this spot. How cool of a game would that be if the Lions were here? I don't think the Lions would be able to move the ball either. Better than the Seahawks, I think. LA Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you know what the spread is? 
I did check. I think it was minus ah, two. Why did you guess it? It's like one and a half, right? Jaguars are plus 2.5 as a home dog. Who yeah. do you got and what's the score you got? I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars 33 to 30. Oh, we are so close. I got the Jaguars 31 to 30. We we think alike. Great minds. Miami at Buffalo. You know what the spread is here? Well, you said double digits. I'm going to say 14 and a half. 13 and a half for the Buffalo Bills. It's Skylar Thompson. I got 38-16 Buffalo. And in my head, I only gave Miami 16 because I'm seeing Buffalo pulling starters in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I got 38-10. Ah, pretty close. All right, here's the important one. Giants at Vikings. Vikings minus three, which is kind of interesting. That means Vegas thinks it's a pick them, except that they're giving Vikings the three-point home favorites. What do you got? Yeah, I had I have the Giants 23 to 20. Okay, I have the Giants 27 to 24, but I don't like how much we're agreeing. So I'm going to say 27, 24 Vikings. Got it. Baltimore at Cincy. Cincy is minus 8.5. Damn. Uh, division game, so it's going to be tough to score. I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think they put up... I'll give them 27 to 27, 17. I think Lamar Jackson might actually play in this game. I can't see it. Even for a while. He has been sitting for a while. Harbo's like, he might be back next week after he first got hurt. It's this would be his sixth game in a row missing a month and a half of action. I got 23, nine Bengals. I know it's a divisional game, but if it's Tyler Huntley or if it's Anthony Brown, who last I checked, I think was a defensive back for the Cowboys back in the day. And no, he's still, uh, he's he could still be him. I don't think, I don't think it matters. Um, I just think it's going to be too much. Bengals are just going to pound the ball, easy passes, deep shots here and there. I, I just think it's going to be too easy for them. Dallas at Tampa. Tampa is plus 2.5. Who you got? I got the Cowboys 31 23. Okay. You know, I mean, as I talked about it, I said Tampa can't keep up, but I actually could see this game being close and exciting. I got 2017 boys. How about that? Just think their offense is too powerful. Yeah, it's we'll see how the Bucks defense performs. I'm thinking maybe they step up a little in the playoffs, but we'll see. You gotta pick a lock. Who are you locking up? I'm locking up the Cowboys. I think the Bucks are just a bad football team. And as much as we want to buy into the Brady hype, which we've done so many times in the past, this is not the same team. There's a lot of different things going on there on the field and off the field. And the Cowboys are finally going to get over that hump. I really like the spread and I'm going to go with the Cowboys as my lock. Just the 49ers. Minus 9.5. I just, I know it's a divisional game. It'd be cool to see it be a little closer than people think. I just don't see how it's possible. I'll lay that big to spread. Hell, I'll even parlay it with Buffalo minus 13.5. I just, I can't see Miami keeping it tight with their quarterback situation. And I like Geno and I like Seattle. I like what they did this year when no one expected them to, but 
they're just running up against a freaking juggernaut in the 49ers right now, who I think are on a mission, whether they're going to get that to that mission. You got a little ahead of yourself before you got excited. I saw your tail wagging. I don't know, but I think this first round, I just think it's going to be a freaking steamroll. Yeah, I can see the Buffalo. That's a good one, too. Um, I actually like a lot of these games this week. Uh, what was the Giants spread again? Giants were Vikings minus three. Yeah, it's another one. I just don't feel like I feel like the Vikings are just not. I think it's a three point game either way. To, that game is going to come down to Daniel Jones uh, making mistakes. So that's a tough one to to bet on if you're a gambling man. He won me a fantasy championship. I can't talk trash about him anymore. I've retired from the Daniel Jones or Danny Nails. I like that, by Nails. the way. Uh, I've retired from the Danny Nails trash talk. And I'm retiring from this week's episode. Enjoy yeah. your playoff football. Follow us to the ticket window. Follow us next week as we recap these games and talk about the divisional matchups. Until next time, we out. Peace.